Welcome to Songwriter Trists, an intimate podcast that interviews artists about the art of songwriting and find out more about the life behind the songs. I am singer-songwriter Ray Lee and your host for this show. Music saved my life and I want to talk to other songwriters about the power of songwriting, talk about their journey and how they got to where they are today. This is a safe space to share stories, lessons and emotions, all the great things that build an amazing song. Welcome to A Songwriter Trist with Eve from August River Band. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. First time we've met and straight to the bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) With, um, With a tryst and I think that it's amazing that we get to, as musicians, connect over the love and pure love of music. Absolutely. And I'm excited. So I'm starting by getting you in your own words. Tell me a little bit about who you are and where you come from and also tell me about the band and how that started. Well, I am South African, first and foremost. No, couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, accent, the accent will get thicker as I get more excited. Okay. And the, every dimension of depth I go to, the accent, uh, it gets increasingly uh, more thick. When you have a few drinks, does it get... <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, I never ask afterwards. <laughs> It would be too embarrassing. Okay. But yes, I've been in Australia for about six years. Mm-hmm. For the first two years, back in South Africa, I was making music every weekend in pubs and with various projects. And then when mm-hmm. I came here, I had to start from scratch. Mm. So the first two years I spent just setting up, setting up shop uh, with my kids, my partner of the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of put the guitar away. And it was just gnawing at my soul for the two years that I did. And then uh, as things kind of were settling down, I decided to pick it up again. A part of me thought that I wouldn't, that I wasn't going to pick it up again. Okay. But I did. Yeah. And I started writing again. And the music reflected the the time that had gone by, yeah. the lessons learned. Uh, every, I could feel every change in me just like reverberating through my strings. It was amazing. Mm. And so I just started writing again. I set out to find musos in a world where I didn't know any musos. Got into band mix and I found Lil, a a violinist. She happened to be South African as well. Um, We started jamming. So I just I would bring the songs that I was writing at that stage, and we'd work it out. And mm. Jared, I knew through work, um, and he had heard one of our songs on on Instagram where I posted just the clip. Yeah, and he basically you know came to the shop one day where I was working and said, "Hey, uh, I think you, you just need some percussion or something." Yeah. So he just pulled in for a jam. Once the second, by the end of the second practice, he wasn't keen anymore. He was like, ah, it's a long list of reasons. Okay. But he came back the next week and we just kept going. Oh, so he didn't want to join the band. Yeah, no, he liked the mu- He liked some of the music, but some of the music was, he thought was, um, was too pretentious. 
Oh, okay. He thought he said to me straight, "I think you, you know, you're just being pretentious about playing this music. It's too, it's too hard. People are not going to connect to it." Oh. And I and I just um, intimated might be the right word. Yeah. That uh, it doesn't matter. I'm going to make the music that makes me feel good. Yeah. And if people connect to it, great. If they don't, they don't. Mm. But my job is to give what I have in the way that I have it. Mm. Obviously, make it as good as I can, but just to give that. And he's the drummer. Yeah. Because I was listening to some of the songs earlier and the drums are incredible. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah. And there was a lot of evolution in his style as well. He had He had played a particular kind of way throughout the years and then mm. when we got together he really just evolved so beautifully into a slot that I don't think he, he himself ever imagined he would and it's beautiful what he does now it's amazing and I don't yeah. I, I say to them what I do and do not like mm. but at the same time I'm not a drummer you know it's mm. not my department that's his department and the violin is the violin's department mm. And what they bring when they let themselves go is that makes me happy. If they're on stage and they're doing and they're giving it stick in the yeah. way that makes them feel good, then that's what's going to come through to the audience. That's awesome. So I love what Jared does now. It's beautiful and it's, it's constantly evolving. And it's really like I can feel a conversation between him and me on stage. And in terms of how we've arranged the songs, it's, it's awesome. I love it. kind of like evolved into August <coughs> River Band. Absolutely, yeah. And you released your first song last year, is that right? Uh, that's right, 2008, 2019. Yeah, I think we released the first couple of tracks we put up. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing, uh, first one I think was Such a Fool, mm. which we still really enjoy playing. Um yeah, we, that went out and a couple of songs after that. And then we basically started working kind of on the album. Mm. And we have enough songs for three albums. But, nice. <laughs> you know, we just not enough money to yeah. to put all of that together yet. But And time. Like I had – I was still in the middle of recording my first EP or album, EP really, um, and – I was already I already had the next twelve songs for my next album yeah. up on the board ready to go. And I'm like already wanting to jump into that one. But I still haven't released <laughs> my EP, which is like already recorded. So in my head it's done. Yeah. But it's not released yet. <laughs> it's like I think that's a creative thing. You just want to do the next thing and the next Absolute. Thing. And people are only hearing the first thing for the first or second time. And you assume yeah. that they're already bored of it. Yeah. But it's you that's bored well, of it. I'm I'm bored of it. Well, yeah. I, I'm actually I'm glad it goes that time because I think if I get to the point where I am bored, I don't bother releasing it. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, do I still love this? Because once I release it, if it does do well, then I'll probably be singing it for the next 50 years. Exactly. So <laughs> I don't want to be singing a song that I'm bored of. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure there'll be a, a sense of boredom after a while for anyone, yeah. especially with big hit songs. But 
you still want to have a bit of love for it. Absolutely, yeah. I find it quite amazing how every song evolves over time, specifically when you perform it. Mm. And I think an ideal scenario is that you only record a song like a couple of years after a couple of years of performing it because that Mm. song, your connection to the song changes. The way that you Mm. pronounce and enunciate and express yourself vocally and physically, everything evolves. And Mm. the way I play those songs on stage now to when they were recorded is completely different for me anyway. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I didn't start releasing songs until this year, January the third, I think it was, my first ever release. But I wrote that song 2015. Yeah. And all the songs that – most of the songs I'm releasing now are the songs that I've been writing for the last 20 years, like since I was a little kid. These are songs that got me through hard times. Yeah. But songs that I continue to love and sing and so it's like, well, why not share those? And so yeah. I'm recording them and I'm releasing them. But where I am now emotionally and in my life is completely different to where I was 10 years ago. Oh, my gosh, I'm a completely different person. (laughs) So when I am singing those maybe different or sad songs on stage, I almost feel like I transport my body to the emotional body that I was in five years ago. And I take myself back to where I was. Like the first song I released was called All I Can Do and I wrote it after a – court case that I'd been through. It was a three-year child sexual abuse court case that I'd been through. It was so intense. So this song was like my release and just holding on to all I can do is pray to you. That that was like where I was at in my life. Yeah. So when I perform it, I have to almost take a deep breath and be like, right, go back to that moment, Yeah. which is not necessarily a moment I want to go back to, but at the same time I do it because I want other people to know that if you're in that moment, I've been there too and mm. you will get through it just like I got through it. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know what going on about it. But like I, I like how you've just described it because I've never thought about it that way. Yeah. But like that is what happens. And I feel the same thing with even with such a fool. The, the, the principles and the lyrics is comes out of a story that's years ago. Mm. And for me, when, when I'm feeling like, oh, you know, I've been through this now, it's done and dusted, mm. I should move on to different lyrics that reflects the times. But mm. the fact is I, I write music so that people can connect mm. because we all go through the same stuff. Okay. There's nothing new under the sun. At different times. Different times. Mm. So, someone is in their place right now thinking about that thing. Exactly. And it's going to mean something to them. So, yeah. it's okay for us to time travel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Musically and emotionally, we time travel yeah. as we sing different songs, yeah. which is cool. And I, th- I think that's one of the reasons that when I'm writing a song, I want the next one out. Because yeah. like, it's just capturing that moment in time and where that song came from yeah. and like fossilizing it <laughs> so that it's like immortalized and will be there forever, yeah. you know, and once it's on the internet, yeah, exactly. unless we have some sort of apocalypse, it's there forever, yeah. you know. <laughs> like the internet has become the blueprint of the collective consciousness. Yeah. Like it. That's creepy though. It shows <laughs> like you could forever measure whatever was happening in the collective consciousness mm. by looking at the internet. That is very creepy. The collective. Sounds a bit cultish. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so tell me about when did you write your first song? My life in music began in the church. Mm, me too. Uh, Which church? It, it, it's, 
it's a flow. It's not a church. Remember the Pentecostal flows? Yes. So part of Church of the Nations. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so it's not a denomination. It's not religion. It's a relationship, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I speak Christian these. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> so missionaries as parents, they were Pentecostal missionaries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You would have yeah, let's not go it. there. I um, went there yesterday, it took an extra hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a rabbit hole. It's a rabbit hole. I was First twenty. Song. I was yep. twenty years old. Mm-hmm. Always wanted to learn an instrument. Never did. Then through the church, you know, in the Pentecostal context, you sing a lot. Right? You sing a lot and you sing loud and you're going for it and you're singing and you're clapping. And I got reborn and was thrown into this community of believers where for the first time I was speaking English with English people. In my culture, I had only my whole life spoken Afrikaans. Mm -hmm. So suddenly I was thrown into this English culture. It was crazy. It was a community. It was beautiful. It was a community. Mm. There was, you know, I, I was seeing things There's that I'd never seen in my life. Um, and that's more often than not the reason we go there. It's, you know, it becomes a home. Mm. Anyway, in that context, you know, I was singing and I started, my voice started evo- like getting better. Mm. You know, I would hear myself singing better in whatever song. And I th- thought, well, this this is sounding like it could evolve. Worship music does that to you. Already. Yeah. I had a friend whose mom was an opera singer in her young uh-huh. days. Yeah. I asked her to teach me the guitar. She taught me A minor, C and E minor, House of the Rising Sun. Okay. And Three chords that every guitarist should know. And as soon as I had those chords, I started yeah. writing songs. Yeah. The first song I wrote was a picture of the the picture was me walking through a dusty road in an old town mm. and being uh, approached by a mob of angry people that wants to kill Christians. Oh, okay. <laughs> and wow. and them asking me whether I was a Christian or not and me saying no mm-hmm. and the feeling I had after that. Mm. And the song was around that picture. There it was and then I just I didn't stop. Mm. I couldn't stop writing. It was the first time in my life that something grabbed me so deeply and so intensely that I could do nothing else but run with it. Mm. And that's all I did. I just wrote as much as I could. Yeah. And obviously in the context of the church, you know, that evolved into worship. Mm. And for the next 10 years, I would just lead worship. I was the youth worship ministries leader when I was in high school. Yeah. And I didn't want to because I wanted to be a doctor and I'm like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> but um, they kind of made me believe that I was their only choice. <laughs> <laughs> and it had to be me. And um, I pulled my friend. I said, I'll do it if my friend can do it with me and she can manage like the musicians and I'll just be like the overall coordinator. <laughs> um, but I was petrified to scare, to sing in front of anyone mm. except for when I was at church. I could sing worship songs because, I don't know, I was able to zone out people and I didn't feel like people's attention was on me because I was naturally a very shy person. I felt like people's attention was on worship and on God and on themselves yeah. and that relationship. And it was actually just about leading people through that relationship yeah. with facilitating. Their, their faith and facilitating. So in a way it enabled me to practice and get better at doing that mm. 
I mean, I think it's funny how things in life happen that train us for the next thing that we're supposed to be doing. Absolutely. Even when we don't even realise it. Absolutely. And, you know, I I fought a lot of it, you know. I just did not Mm. have enough self-belief to say that I didn't feel worthy enough that I should be doing that sort of stuff. And you would have certainly noticed the difference when... Moving into the secular world, for me, I I moved away from the church entirely. Mm. And then getting onto a stage, and then the game changes. You become a performer. Mm. Entertainment. But then full circle, now to this day, every single time that I'm on stage, I'm trying to find that place where I disappear, where I can disappear, and all that is left is what I'm supposed to be doing, uh, the message, the spirit, the all of that stuff that's supposed to be happening. Yeah. Every time I try and strip myself of that, because when you're on there, you might be a little dehydrated, your voice starts conking out, you yeah. forget a lyric or something, you start feeling insecure. Mm. And the more of you that creeps in, the less connection there is with the audience. It affects the vocals. got to get out of the head and into the spirit. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's, that's a challenge every time. And the reasoning for me, even back in those days, was just that I have this gift and it's a, it was given to me freely and I'm so stoked and privileged to have it. Yeah. All I got to do is just give it as hard as I can mm. and then it, it'll sort itself out. Absolutely. That simplifies it for me. Everything happens at the right time. I just wish I can remember it every time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think living in peace and trust that everything is exactly the way it's meant to be all the time. And I just live in that. And some people think it's completely crazy, especially this year. Like, how can you say that? I'm like, well, for real, the reality is it can't be any other way. <laughs> it, yeah. it is what it is. Like that, And I yeah. hate that saying, but it is what it is. And I've found that my life is a whole lot easier if I just accept that it is what it is and learn from everything. Yeah, I, I, wish, like, I, I wish I could understand. I understand that intellectually mm. and for moments in time in my spirit I get it. Mm. But then there's so much time where I just you know, get lost in the flurry of reality and mm. all the things that we think we should be. Um, you know, I revolted against the dogma of church because mm. I, what I noticed was it was this constant battle between what I am and what I believe I should be, you know, yeah. according to the Word of God and according blah, blah. Yeah. And then I went into the secular world mm-hmm. and lo and behold, it is exactly the same thing. The dogma of self-actualization is the yeah. same thing. Was there a clear moment where your heartstrings were pulled and you said, yeah, I'm going to be a musician. I know you kind of talked about it at that before. That yeah, I, I didn't. Um, the thing that really surprised me when I started learning was that I was learning. For me, hearing myself being able to play and then mm. in time being able to sing and kind of hold a note just it blew my mind. I never imagined that I would be able to do that. Yeah. And that made me more grateful and more humble that it's something that I've been given. I, you know, it, it makes it simpler for me. But um, it was really those those first days 
and then just every single time, you know, when I was playing mm. and when I was managed to strip myself out of it, mm. I knew that, you know, I've got to do this. This is, this is the best thing that I can give to the world cool. and to the collective. I need so, to yeah. just, I just need to do it. So, were you musically inclined before you went into the church in Africa? Or? I never knew of any inclination. I, okay. I loved music and which mm. I found... You know, in time, generally, people who really have a deep love for music generally have a bit of an inclination, whether at some stage in their life they, they had the confidence to pursue it or not, mm. to persist with the piano or whatever it is. Mm. But generally, there's a bit of that gift in most, in most people. To live face to face each day And baby, we need to spread it out so creative outlet in some form and um, it's about just finding out what creative form is mm. your thing. Yeah. I, I started writing, I wrote diaries from really young and I used to wish, like, I really wish I could write a song like was like that was on the radio. Yeah. But I just didn't think that would ever happen. I wrote poetry and I played piano and then drums and then guitar and I eventually just started writing on the piano and it did actually just come. I'm more of a hooks and melody person mm. than lyrics. I was never great at English. Um, and it wasn't until last year where I learned that that's okay. <laughs> that you can you could be a melody hook person yeah. and work with someone who's maybe better at lyrics and that together you could create a great song mm. that has flow and structure and story but still sounds good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think... Um, and usually ends up exponentially better... You know, when you when you take that, when you humble yourself and you draw on the strength of others mm. to apply to something, you generally get an exponential result. Yeah, I think I was brought up in this idea that you had to do it all yourself mm. and that was just too overwhelming. And I went to Nashville last year in October Wow! and they, they are like, it takes a village to create a great song. And it's like it does and you can have someone that does all the bits and I can just do what I'm good at and let go of all the responsibility to do the mixing and mastering and be the best guitarist and be Mm. the drummer and be the pianist and like be the best at all these things. I'm like if I'm really honest with myself, I just want to sing and write songs. And like my dad's a preacher, so I like to talk a lot. <laughs> it comes naturally and I hate it when I say that. <laughs> but he's also, he's a pianist, but he was never good enough to show me how to play. That's, that was his words. He yeah. didn't think he was good enough to teach me, but he was beautiful into it. Yeah. Did you have someone that kind of inspired you in that way? You're like, oh, I, I really like what they're doing. Well, a, a rock set. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> when I, when I was Yeah. It? Yeah, right. That's the one. <laughs> I was so, a teenager. It was a breakup. And I just lost myself in Roxette. Yeah. She passed away yeah. last year, didn't she? Or was it this year? Late last year. I don't remember. It was recent. But they were they were really something special. And they were a combination of strengths, weren't they? He wrote mm. the songs, blah blah blah. But um I 
hope and dream to achieve that exact thing in music in that you can for, you forget about who you're listening to mm. you get so lost in whether it's reflection or inspiration or whatever it is mm. but the mus- the musician becomes irrelevant like I, I would like to work myself out of a job I'd like my name to be <laughs> forgotten yeah but for only the music to remain I think that is a win yeah so if someone can listen to it and just disappear and That's what a lot of figure themselves out say and I am like this I I don't really know actors or directors or songwriters very well, like the names of people, but I'll know the song. Same, yeah, yeah. Or I'll know the movie and the story. And that is what sticks in my brain. But I have met people who like just seem to know everyone and everything all the exactly. time. Like, I tri- always suck in those conversations when they, when they, uh, like albums, album names, the year it yeah. came out. It's always like, I'm always feel insecure in those moments because I just yeah. don't know. My husband knows everything and everyone all the time. And so I just ask him, <laughs> like, you know, two halves of a whole. I was going to ask you, do you have like a mission or a goal or, or a message behind when you write a song? Is is that something you think about? How does it work? It is. Every, every single song I try to. So the process of writing... As you know, it's different every song. Some people write a certain way every time. Some people use different methodologies. My natural inclination is to sit down with the guitar, play a melody, wait till something comes. And then when something comes, Mm. when there's a melody that I like, and I start thinking about lyrics, because I'm I'm usually just kind of rambling lyrics, and if something comes through, then I try and build around that principle. Mm. I try to capture a principle something that I've gone through or that people go through or that we all go through and just build around that poetically as much as I can and rhythmically. Mm. Um, so I do have a particular focus with every song. In the rare, there's rare times where I decide, okay, I want to write about this. Mm-hmm. And then I sit down and I write something specific about a particular topic mm. and then I try and build music around it. That's quite rare. Mm. Um, but I, yeah, I genuinely kind of um, sit down and I want to communicate something. I want the person to walk away with a particular principle, whether it's conscious or subconscious. I want mm. something to be put in there, which they're going to work with later. No, you know, yeah. their brain is going to process it and store it and file it and bring it up when it's necessary. Because that's what it means for me when I listen yeah. to music. It, it go. It, I drink it in. It goes into that garden. Mm. Something's going to grow out of it. Sometimes we go. You know, like we said before, you go through different phases in life. And for example, before you have your first love and your first heartbreak, you don't know what people are singing about. Yeah. When they're singing these heartbreak songs. Yeah. And all of a sudden you have your first heartbreak and you're like, ah, oh, I get it. Yeah. And all of a sudden you hear it and it's like you're hearing the song for a whole new time, like the first time. Yeah, absolutely. Because all of a sudden you understand. And I love what you're saying there is like it goes in and not everyone's going to get it because maybe they haven't experienced that yet, but they might do one day. Mm. And having that song there is going to maybe make them feel like, hey, I'm not the only one who's been through this. Yeah. And I think that's what music can do for us, is it connects us in the sense that we're not alone. Absolute. Mm. You know, it's like giving, when you give your friends advice and later on, months later, they come to you and they say, this person said this to me. And you're like, I, 
that's I gave you that same advice. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't the time for them to hear it. They weren't ready. Uh, they were ready when the other guy said it to them. Same with like um, husbands and wives, spouses. <laughs> oh, big time. <laughs> or parents and children. And oh like, my goodness, yeah. I, big time. I'm sure that there would be things that I would tell my kids and they won't listen and like a friend or another adult will tell them the same thing and they're mm. like, oh, yeah, then that's really important information. Yeah. <laughs> If I say it, I'm just mum. <laughs> yeah. Um, Your credit is treasures in heaven because you planted the seed in there. Yeah. Chucked it in the ground. But then someone else came and said, oh, there we go. And they're the hero. That's okay. Yeah. It's so true. <laughs> but it's like as long as the message is getting through somehow. But it, it is. It's true. Sometimes we can't be the person to give. For example, like yeah. um, from a child to a parent as an adult, it can be really hard yeah. to see your parent go through similar mistakes or go round and round and round in circles doing something that you know is harmful for them. But it is not the job of a child to save a parent. And yet we often, I often see that people get stuck in that rat trying to, you know, maybe they've witnessed something from their parent. They've decided to not do it. They've found a way out and they've healed from it. But then once they've healed from it, they so desperately want to help their parents. But that's not your role, you know, and it, um, yeah. Pick your battles, I reckon. Anyway. That's it. <laughs> um, so, do you have? Oh no, I've already asked you that question. Oh no, do you do much co-writing? So, in this world I am now, I don't like the times I've reached out to try to reach out to musos. It hasn't really happened. Mm. So, I don't have a lot of musical relationships okay. where in where in which I could collaborate, and I guess I haven't. I certainly can push harder, mm. but it's it's exhausting. Um, it's a it's a different musical culture I find here, mm. and me not having grown up in this culture, you know, I, I arrive on the scene, I speak with a different accent, I have certain. How dare you? I just <laughs> think if you know, it, so it's hard to embrace me into a community. Um, you know, it's it's mm. going to take a bit longer for me to to make those relationships. Yeah. And generally, I I prefer doing things on my own. Mm. I mean, that's obviously a big contributing factor. Yeah. But the times I have collaborated, it was just like I said earlier. It's an exponential result that just blows me away every time. That's and cool. you know, when you when you connect with a person or a muso, mm. that's that feeling, that chemistry is incredible. It's yeah. incredible. The moment your strings collide or, you know, whatever it is, uh, the world makes sense for me in those moments. Mm. And on stage, uh, when those moments, when, you, when you're in that pocket, in that groove, uh, it is uh, an emotional orgasm. <laughs> it's essentially like exactly how I feel and what I was trying to capture with this podcast being songwriter Trist's is like Tris is the intimate <coughs> connection between two lovers or the private intimate connection between two lovers. And that's exactly what happens when two musicians or songwriters get together and create a song baby. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, it is, it's, like, it's so spiritually sexual <laughs> in Absolutely. a weird way. Yeah. And like to try and explain that to someone, I don't know if everyone would get it. Maybe only songwriters will get it. <laughs> but when it's like, you can leave a, a co-write with someone just the same way as you would leave a, 
a sexual Absolute. experience with someone, you know, you either leave going, oh my gosh, that was amazing, I want to do it again. Yeah. Or you leave going, oh, that was horrible, yeah. never. <laughs> never Meh. Meh. You know, that was okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, um, but the same thing, can st- you can still have a baby out of it. <laughs> Absolute. It doesn't matter how good the session was. <laughs> I agree. That, that level of intimacy, you know, they there would be philosophy built around how similar those things are and how mm. connected those kind of connections are throughout our lives. Mm. It's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. And I I think it's incredible. And I'm only just really starting to explore the world of songwriting. But I did a science degree. Don't even like didn't even use it, but I've got it on the wall. <laughs> Jeez, you think you know a guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was biomedical science and I was actually if I had have known what psychology was, I probably would have done a psychology degree. <laughs> yeah, I can see subconscious. That's what you want to do with this. What would you call this change? I'm trying to um, find out what it is that make like the, the the power that is in songwriting and music. Mm. That that is that saving power. Like if I could just find that and bottle it and then sell it. <laughs> but I get it. It is. It's such an incredible thing that I took for granted most of my life. And now in hindsight, I look back and I go, whoa, yeah. like I should be dead. Like I really shouldn't have survived my life and my childhood. I, I definitely shouldn't be where I am now. And a big part of that, I, I, um, I think I grew strength. You know, you get stronger. Whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Absolutely. Hence the dragon. <laughs> but... Um, at the same time, I think I just, I couldn't have done it without music. It was, I think when I was blowing up with everything that was going on in my life, music was the one thing that let that pressure out. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I'm just grateful that I have it. And now I'm realising that other people have it too. Yeah. And it's like amazing to talk to other people that have that. Yeah. What's the best advice you've ever been given? Every time I've been told that I suck, every time someone tells me my music, they didn't, don't like this or it's too much. And I got a lot of that way in the church days mm. because there was a particular agenda. You were leading worship, so you, you were facilitating something mm. and you couldn't really go off on a tangent. You had to, you know, keep it in that place mm. where they are the priority. And so I got a lot of, like, critical advice um, and that I cherish every time I give get negative feedback because, you know, when people are swept up in the moment or family or friends, you know, they have a different perspective because they know you. Mm. So they love everything you do, you know, or like, whatever. So when someone with no perspective that doesn't know me at all tells me, uh, didn't really connect to that. Mm. Not really feeling that melody. There's no hook in that. Whatever, I just I, I relish in it. You appreciate it. I really because That's I know. So important to have as an artist. Absolute. Mm. I recently um, submitted a bunch of songs to Spotify curators. Yeah. Yep. Now they curators all over the world. They they create playlists. They listen to a lot of music. Is that and through SubmitHub? Yeah, that's uh-huh. it. I haven't tried that, but I've been he- hearing about it lately. So, all I got was negative feedback. Oh, wow. And it was awesome. Okay. Everyone kind of, you know, there was a 
there was a theme, you know, like I like this, the A, B, and C, good this and this, yeah. but I don't like this and I don't like this. It was mm. so amazing and refreshing. I was, man, I gotta try this. I mean, it still cuts. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? You're still like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you're a little bit wounded, but once you get over that, you that's your building blocks. Yeah, we need it so much. Mm. I really do appreciate. I'm. I think I'm my own worst critic. I am. Yeah, like, no, we I, suck at criticizing ourselves. We're terrible. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I really do appreciate. You know, Donkey from Shrek says it takes a true friend to be that truly honest. <laughs> <laughs> truly. And I, I agree. When someone can be honest with me, and I can control my reactions. <laughs> yeah. I love it because I know that then I can go to them and if I actually want honest feedback, I can ask them for that honest feedback and I know that they're okay to give it to me. And sometimes you have to give permission to say, please give me your honest feedback on this. Yeah. Because um, sometimes people do ask for feedback and really they just want you to tell them how great it is. Mm. <laughs> and Absolutely. it can be hard to decipher between the two. But, yeah, it's good to get. And it takes time to build up that stamina of receiving critique, eh? Because mm. initially we were all like, oh, I want someone to be honest with me and then someone's honest and then we oh, we yeah. don't wake up yeah. for three days. We're so wounded. Yeah. So if you get into a habit of if you're in a community where people give you a lot of critical feedback, mm. you build up a stamina for that and you can automatically just like take it and grow straight away. Yeah. It's awesome. That's what you need. I have a... Um online songwriting community called songtown.com yeah and you can submit songs once a month to pro songwriters who are you know hit songwriters in nashville and they will give you feedback and there's there's a drop down box and you can say go easy on me i'm just starting out (laughs) or you can say lay it on me and just give it give it to me as hard as you got and i'll always tick the give it to me because i i want honest feedback if i want to be a pro songwriter and have hit songs that everyone knows i need the harsh feedback because i'm not going to get better if i don't know where i Mm. need to work on so that's very intuitive that's a very intuitive drop down isn't it (laughs) it's amazing i think it was for this very reason it's probably the reason they put it there because if people are just starting out they might not be ready to have their songs compared to professional hit songwriting standards absolutely but they need encouragement. It's kind of, yeah. I think, in the, they kind of just need encouragement rather than they need critical feedback. Yeah. And we all go through phases where we just need encouragement. Yeah. And then we get to a point where we actually need to grow and we need that critical feedback. Absolutely. Yeah. Good, good advice. What sort of advice would you give to someone who was just starting out? Um, I would say that learn to play and sing at the same time. It's my first of call for advice Mm -hmm. don't learn to play and then later on learn to sing struggle it all together whatever you're doing your voice will grow your gift will grow Mm. you must just keep at it but keep connecting it to your why to Mm. your reason for doing it and find your big picture find your reason for doing it because then you'll always be motivated to do it Mm. and just keep at it and allow yourself to express what you are I want to be entirely what I am, mm. but at the same time, I want to grow. I want to be better. Yeah, I want you to be the best version. Yeah, but at the same time, what you are needs that is what's going to communicate. Because no matter what we say on podcasts or yeah. on the media or in the world or in our songs, what we truly are is going to come through and connect to the world mm. and build 
good things into the consciousness of mankind mm. or not. So we just got to give space to what we are and let that out. Mm. Your sorrow and your pain is your greatest teacher. Mm. Your bad decisions, your failures, your weakness, those are your allies. Those are your songwriters. Without those, just walk away. Yeah. If you if you want to just be happy all the time, and look, if if you are happy all the time and that's your life, then that's awesome. Um, <laughs> but you know, most people connect to the fact that life is suffering, mm. and it is beautiful, mm. and it's suffering, and it's beautiful. We're human, and, and so it's you okay go. to be human. And I love how you said, like, be who you are now, but you're going to grow, mm. and with life comes change and that is a natural part of being human and mistakes are a natural part of being human and being humbled in our mistakes yeah. <laughs> is a natural part of being human and it needs to happen. Yeah. You know, we all need to go through these things and that doesn't make us any less valuable or important as the person next to us. You know, we're all in it together. Yeah. In the same level, especially in a pandemic where the whole world is like stopped. Mm. It kind of, especially in our industry, it's like leveled the playing field because we're all in the <gasps> together. Yeah. I'm just, I don't swear on this podcast. Yeah. But <laughs> Ooh, letting go. <laughs> mm, mm, Who's mm. the one getting relaxed now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it is really. Like, I'm interviewing you. Wow. <laughs> oh, this keeps happening. <laughs> if you could, if you could co-write with anyone in the world, living or dead, who would it be and why? I would want to write with a man by the name of Mornay van der Marwe. He was a rugby player okay. <laughs> in South Africa. Okay. He was one of my first mentors. Wow. He died years ago, mm -hmm. brain tumor. And I was, like he was around at the time where I was learning. Mm. And I would have loved to sit down with him now, years later, and... And just jam with him and write mm -hmm. with him. Because uh, there's so many things that are a part of my skill set that started with him and with what he taught me. He was my first real like technical kind of mentor person. I would love to write with him. Cool. That's beautiful. He was a beautiful bastard. <laughs> I'm really glad that you shared that. That's beautiful. Um do you have anything else that you would like to share? You've got music coming out or gigs Yeah, we've out? got, we're launching our album, um, Thank You Pain. Ah, is the yes. Album. It is entirely a celebration of exactly that. Just yeah. the, the incredible gifts that we gain from our pain and our weakness and our failures. Yeah. Um, and every song is, is a story related to that. Wow. And so that's coming out... Uh, the 2nd of October, we'll have an album launch at the Tivoli that night mm -hmm. with Colin Lilly, beautiful songwriter, beautiful storyteller, and Ham, beautiful animals. They just, they light a stage on fire with their, with their humility, if I can say it like that. Amazing. I don't hear their lyrics. I don't hear their, their, their song. I, I barely hear it. What they are just murders me. You feel it. I feel them so deeply. Mm. Um, so, we're going to be doing that on the 2nd of October at the Tivoli. Looking forward to that. Nice, after it's going to be a big night. Cool. Yes, you need to come along. <laughs> I'd love that. It's a culmination of the last, you know, two and a half years of 
of work. Wow. And play. Thank you, pain. Thank I'm you, st- pain. I'm still trying to work out. Um, like I don't, I don't know how to come up with an album name or an EP name or anything like that. I've just got no idea. But that would definitely be appropriate for my first album because <laughs> that's where all of my songs came came from. Yeah, it was pain. Yeah, and you're right. It does make us stronger, and I think it's good to acknowledge pain, and I think it's okay to talk about emotions and pain as well. Yeah, and I don't. I think that's one of the things that I don't like about our society exactly right now is that there's almost like a shame around talking about anything that's not happiness. Yeah. It's like you're not really supposed to talk about shame or fear or sadness or depression or anger or violence or, you know, like they're yeah. like the, the, the taboo emotions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they're essential emotions of being a human. Like yeah. They're just as important and... I mean, that's, that's kind of my main reason for songwriting. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like, come on, let's feel people. <laughs> I foresee a great renaissance of a revolution of art mm. at the end of, you know, at 50 years from now. Mm. They'll reflect on the 2020s and remember what came out of the pandemic. Mm. The, the evolution in our consciousness towards the environment, uh, mm. hygiene, yeah. the art that flowed out of all these bloody poor artists yeah. that couldn't feed themselves. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm fortunate. I have a job. Yeah. There's so many incredible artists out there that do do it full time mm. and they've been decimated, devastated. You're lucky. I don't have a job. This is why I'm talking to people for free. Yeah. <laughs> it's, but, yeah. I mean... Th- those are real hard times yeah. that build really incredible music and art mm. and writing. So there will be, that's my prophecy today. There will be yep. an incredible They're revolution. They're going to come back and they'll listen to this podcast and be like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> he's talking about us. <laughs> yes, totally. people from 2070, we're talking about you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we know what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, anyway. <laughs> no, that's really cool. Thank you so much for being on the Songwriter Truth with me. Thanks for having me. And it was beautiful to get to know you better. Absolutely. Thank you. This was really good. In really food time, for my soul. We'll have like a a recap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have August to. August River Band, part two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, awesome. thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining our Songwriters Tryst today. To join the family and keep up to date with future podcasts, follow us on Facebook or Instagram and subscribe. To contact me or learn more, visit my website, www.ray-lee.com. <laughs>